As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone with me. And welcome to the UVA Homecomings special. Rob, how does it feel to be doing a special working with the Alumni Association? Yeah, yeah, we're really excited to be working with alumni here. Um, you know, one of the benefits of going to UVA and being fairly recent graduates is we still kind of keep in touch with a couple of people there. So, um, no, really excited to be on and thankful uh, for the Alumni Association to have us be part of their Homecoming Week events. So thank you to those who are just joining us for the first time. We really appreciate it. And welcome back to those who are faithful listeners, the guys who and girls who always uh, tune in every week. We are super excited to be doing this. What we're going to be doing today, we're going to be doing a homecomings special. So we're going to be talking about um, a lot of the most recent football games and some of the more famous homecomings football games as well. And then we're going to throw in some non-revenue sports tidbits homecoming games, and uh, we're just going to have a good time. So, Rob, let's just start off with this. Homecoming football, what are, what, are your, some, what are some memories that come up just regarding homecoming football? Yeah, you know, homecoming's a mixed bag, kind of just like <laughs> the rest of UVA football the past 10 years has been. Um, so this actually might be a helpful thing to say because, you know, to those of you who may be first-time listeners, uh, I graduated from UVA in 2017 from the comm school, you know, spent time as the Cav Daily Sports Editor, was in Who Crew with Dustin. And Dustin, I don't know if you want to give a quick introduction to yourself as well. Oh, uh, sure. Just to kind of put the right context here. I just thought we were so famous we didn't need to do that, you know, <laughs> as the second best UVA sports podcast out there. I, uh, yeah, right. my, I'm Dustin Jones. I graduated from uh, education. I'm a teacher. And uh, I was the president of Who Crew. My fourth year at UVA, I graduated in, uh, I was supposed to graduate in 2017, spend an extra year to get my master's, graduated in 2018, and uh, knew Rob and Who Crew grew up in Charlottesville as well, so I, I was going to games my whole life, basically. So um, yeah, that's that's really all there is to know about us, and we've been doing this podcast for about two two years, two years and a couple months. We are in season three currently, which is fun, and you know we're just having a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's been always a pleasure to hop on and do it with you, man. So yeah. we're really excited to have this, and we're really excited to do this with alumni. So um, and excited for y'all to be listening. So looking at homecoming games, so what we're gonna do is we want to give you guys just kind of a sneak preview of, you know, what what homecoming for UVA sports has been like. So you know, we're gonna kind of focus on the past ten years since that's kind of the ten years we know best. Although. We do have a couple tidbits sprinkled in here and there that we're, we're pretty excited that we dug up. Um, so all time UVA is 48, 44 and two in homecoming games. So, you know, about break even and, you know, it's been, you know, more or less the same trend over the past 10 years where we're, we're really going to focus. Uh, we're four and six in homecoming games since 2010, although two of those wins came in the past two years. So, UVA is kind of a mixed bag, which I guess you'll see as we get into this. But there's been some fun homecoming moments over the past couple of years, especially. Yeah, and I'm excited. So, Rob, why don't we start off with just, I think, your favorite homecoming football moment in the past 10 years? 
Yeah, so I mean, we'll touch on all of these, but for me, it's hands down kind of that Miami game in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a 16 to 13 UVA win, uh, kind of third year of Bronco Mendenhall, but it really felt kind of like a coming out party almost uh, for the team. You know, it was a night game. That was the first game. Maybe they played Swags Rickman before, but that was really the first game that I remember like getting really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's my top memory. What about you? I would have to agree with you. In, in I like the way you say coming out party because it felt like the UVA football team finally had arrived and finally had you know something to prove. It was against a ranked Miami team, uh, even though Miami did you know kind of fall by the wayside later in the season. It turned out to not be you know that good but you know it felt like a game where UVA easily could have lost it but we ended up winning at the very end and it it was just a beautiful night you know 54 degrees 710 start I, I remember actually missing the young alumni reunions party because I stayed at the game because I wanted to watch this team win it just felt like a turning point in this program and I felt really good about it. Well, that's the game where you sprain your ankle, right? I did sprain my ankle. Yes, <laughs> rushing the field. I sprained my ankle. <laughs> and then I danced on it for the rest of the night. So it was good. It was all fun. Yeah, we caught like the final 30 minutes of yard that year. Yeah. I think we, that was the first year they did it downtown too. Yeah, it was downtown. Um, and we actually ran to catch the trolley <laughs> on my hurt ankle. We were with our buddy Avik. Man, that was a night. That was crazy. But yeah, rushing, you know, rushing the field, just celebrating with the players on the field. It really felt like, and also a very similar vibe. This is not a homecoming game, but the next year against Florida State, a very similar vibe to where it just felt like this team was on to something. You know, it felt like this team was going places. Yeah, I think Miami was ranked like 16th at the time. Mm -hmm. It, It was a big win for the program and one where the defense really, really played well throughout that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think we agree on our favorite moment. Um, really not that much competition, honestly, for that moment. No. Um, but if we want to start back, you know, we can go back, you know, we want to go back the past 10 years, give you a feel for, you know, brief history of UVA football, brief history of homecoming at UVA. And that starts in 2010. If you're ready to dive in, Dustin. Yeah, let's dive. Let's dive head at first. All right. So the first game we're going to talk about 2010 uh, really actually not a very memorable game for UVA. So this, if you remember 2010 was Mike London's first season as head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember this game specifically, cause I remember we wore all orange jerseys. We had blue helmets, but we wore orange jerseys and orange pants, which, you know, for under Al Grow, we never had orange jerseys. So we were mm-hmm. still getting into the UVA look here. Um, but yeah, Virginia lost 44 to 10 against UNC and, that I mean there's really not much to say with this I mean there were five interceptions this was actually UNC's first win in Scott Stadium since 1981 so UVA went almost 30 years wow uh beating UNC and Scott Stadium and then of course we'll we'll touch on a couple more UNC games in this stretch um but yeah so not a ton to really go back here other than that this was a very much a transition year for UVA and it really showed against North Carolina yeah you know if you're looking at you know who the quarterback was we had actually three quarterbacks uh, or three people attempt passes in this game Mark Verica Michael Rocco and Ross Metheny so I, I mean that just tells you kind of where we were at the time getting blown out 10 to 14 this was a uh, TJ Yates led UNC team he had 325 yards and three touchdowns whereas Mark Verica had 139 yards and three interceptions so a very different you know quarterback battle there yeah and this was kind of UNC at the start when they started to come up because you know they they were relevant for a while back in the day and then they really went through a rough stretch there um kind of in the 2000s and this is really when they started their climb back up towards the top and obviously took care of business against UVA that night yeah, not a fun night. I was I was at that game for sure. That would have been my 10th grade year. Yeah, just just rough night, rough night. <laughs> but if we go to 2011, actually, uh, things get a lot brighter. And I remember the 2011 game. So Virginia wins 24-21. Uh, 
against a top 15 ranked Georgia Tech team. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech was 6-0 and going into that game. UVA was 3-2 and going into that game. And I remember this game specifically because this was a game where everyone was kind of all in on Mike London. You know, mm-hmm. first year was the transition year. And the second year, we started building a bit of momentum. You know, it was a really good offensive line, a pretty good defense. And Virginia beats a top 15 Georgia Tech team. And I was ready to buy the hype. I was all in on this UVA team after this game. Yeah. Do you remember this game, Dustin? Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, this was a Rocco-led UVA football team, but really it was all about the rushing from um, Perry Jones, and he had 18 rushes for 152 yards and uh, no touchdowns, but an average of 8.2 yards per carry. This was a team that, you know, and that was the time that Georgia Tech was running the triple option, which was almost impossible. It felt impossible to stop the triple offense, the triple uh, offense at that time, you know, Georgia tech, we held them to 290 rushing yards, which was, I mean, I think pretty good for a triple offense team like that. And people forget in 2011, UVA actually goes eight and four during the regular season, goes to the Chick-fil-A bowl, plays Auburn and uh, keeps it close against Auburn. That was the last time I think we wore all orange, orange helmet, orange jersey, orange pants. And that was when Mike London, that was the top of Mike London's tenure that season. Yeah, without question. I mean, four of the five players on that offensive line went on to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, Morgan Moses, you know, right now is the starting tackle for the Washington football team. So he's still, uh, you know, performing at a high level in the NFL. But you're right, you know, this was a season where we played Mike Rocco at quarterback. We also played David Watford at quarterback in this mm-hmm. game. Um, but it was all about the rushing attack. You know, like you said, uh, Perry Jones had 150 yards rushing. Uh, Kevin Parks had 86 yards rushing. If anyone remembers Clifton Richardson, he was a freshman this season. Mm-hmm. He had 32 yards rushing and a touchdown. So, you know, it was a balanced passing attack. You had Tim Smith and Chris Bird, but it was all about the run game. And that was really critical in this game because UVA was able to really keep that Georgia Tech triple option off the field, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just really, it's always impressive. And now Georgia Tech, you know, they, they have a different system, but playing the, that triple option was just always brutal. And I feel like if, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like the next game we play, we probably lost because that just seems how it is. I, I think Georgia, there's an incredible stat of teams that after they play Georgia Tech lose their next game uh, just because it's so mentally taxing to prepare for that triple offense. It's just, uh, it's almost unfair, I would say. Yeah, and you know, you actually hit the nail on the head. The next week we lost to NC State 14 to 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> not a surprise, but no. yeah, this was actually a really fun game. If you had to ask me, I was at this game too. Um, if you had to ask me what was the second best homecoming game in the stretch, I would have said this game. I, I'm actually going to disagree with you there. We're going to hit my second best game later, but uh, this one was a good one. I, I would say that the first half was definitely more exciting. First half, Virginia scores all 24 of their points, shut out in the second half, um, but held on to win. So, yeah, a great game. Absolutely. And then the next game was... Uh, in 2012, which was a really weird season, a really, really weird season. Um, Virginia loses to Maryland 20 to 27 in this game. This was actually Maryland's last game that they've played in Scott stadium. Yeah. So if you know, remember playing Maryland every year, this was the last game they played in Scott stadium. Um, yeah, Virginia, this was just a weird game. I remember I wasn't at, actually, I might've been at this game. God, it's so long ago now. But yeah, you know, we talk about the 2011 team, uh, dual quarterbacks with Michael Rocco and David Watford. Well, this was the year with dual quarterbacks with Michael Rocco and Philip Sims. Mm-hmm. And of course, Philip Sims, the five-star, 757 native, you know, loses that job at Alabama to A.J. McCarron, transfers to Virginia. Um, although I would say Rocco probably had a better year than Philip Sims did that year. Yeah. But this was a tough game for UVA you know interception from Sims um and you know this Maryland team Stefan Diggs was on this team future UVA running back Albert Reed was on Maryland for this game oh wow um so 
I don't know. Do you remember anything specific from this game, Dustin? Yeah, I remember, you know, Maryland was just a team that, and I still, I think I hate them probably more than any other team. I just find them annoying. Um, I don't like their fans. I don't like the way they play anything. Uh, I'm glad they're gone. You know, they don't really belong in the Big Ten either, though. So I don't know. Maryland's a weird team to me. I'm glad we, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel. I don't know how I'd feel about playing them again. I think I would just like it if we won. I would really hate it if we lost. <laughs> One thing I remember about this game is the very first play. Stefan Diggs takes the kickoff a hundred yards back to uh, for a touchdown, and that's kind of how the game went. You know, just not a good game. Maryland scores seventeen points in the first quarter, and UVA just could never catch up. Yeah, you know, Virginia scores. It really wasn't that close. Not as score close as the score indicates. Um, Jake McGee scores a touchdown with four minutes left in the fourth quarter to make it uh, 27-20. But yeah, Virginia was kind of playing from behind the entire game. By one, I don't remember anything as specific about this game. I just remember UVA just like, oh, we're within seven. Oh, not anymore. Oh, we're within three. No, it was just a very, very rough game. Now, Maryland went into this game four and one or three and two. UVA went into this game um, two and four. So Virginia finishes the season this year, four and eight. Um, so just really kind of a down, let down a bit this season after a pretty successful 2011 year. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about this game, Maryland actually had negative two rushing yards total um, for the game, whereas Virginia had 168. Of course, Maryland did all their damage with the passing. Stefan Diggs has 89 touch, 89 yards as well as that kickoff touchdown. So, not a good, uh, not a good game. Good game for the UVA defense, I guess, but um, overall, just a terrible offensive showing. Yeah, and it t- it's tough losing the last home game at Maryland. Um, yeah. I remember just not liking Maryland, but you know, whatever. We'll maybe we'll see him again. Um, which brings us to 2013. UVA loses 25 to 35 against Georgia Tech. And what I will always remember from this game, so this was Dustin and I's first year at UVA. Mm -hmm. And what I will always remember about this game is David Wadford. He attempted 61 passes in this game. He completed 43 of 61 for 376 yards, uh, two touchdowns and an interception. But 61 pass attempts. I remember this was a record for UVA quarterback at the time. I couldn't find out if it's still the record for most pass attempts in a game, but it was a lot for David Watford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a game that, you know, and David Watford, I think, comes into UVA, and he's not really known for the rushing or for the passing. So seeing him with 61 pass, like that's a. That's a Joe Burrow on the Bengals type of number, you know, where they're just behind <laughs> the entire time. And that's kind of how we were in this game. You know, we go down 14 to 10 at halftime. And then, you know, Tech, uh, Georgia Tech scores seven in the third and we lose, we end up losing 35 to 25. It's tough because once again, this triple option team just ran us down and couldn't catch up much like most Georgia Tech teams. Yeah, and I mean, this also, you know, unlike when we beat Georgia Tech two years earlier in 2011, this also was not a good UVA team. UVA went 2-10 and 10 this year. Um, they beat a Bronco Mendenhall coached BYU team in the first game, and then they beat VMI. But otherwise, Virginia was 2-5 uh, and five coming into this game. Georgia Tech was 4-3 and three coming into this game. Just really... Really a tough year for UVA football. I, I would, remember that much, at I, least. You know, I would say the only reason we beat that BYU team is because of the monsoon that happened, and that Scott Stadium was a, uh, a water pit. Uh, once the game was uh, postponed because of lightning, people they let people back into the stands, and there's just it's just a puddle. It's just a large puddle, and so I'm sure BYU loses that game because of that, not because of anything UVA did. Well, so speaking of Anthony Harris, uh, future NFL star. So Anthony Harris had two interceptions in this game, which helped UVA, although not enough for the win. Um, but if you remember that BYU game, it was like third and short, and they and it was pouring rain. The field was soaked, and they called for a pass play. BYU mm-hmm. did, and the pass play bounced off the receiver's hands because the ball was soaking wet. It went right to Anthony Harris, which gave us the ball with like two minutes left within the 20-yard line for the win. 
Yeah. And we're like, okay, thank you, BYU. <laughs> Notice how we're not talking about the Georgia Tech game because it was just bad. <laughs> it was a bad season, so we can move on. We're, this so, is this you know this is where we're getting into the really bad UV football season, where <laughs> <laughs> it's just like painful to talk about. Yeah, so Mike London actually keeps his job after the two and ten season. Actually, keeps his job for two more years after that season, which I still can't believe. Um, which brings us to 2014. Uh, you know, we talked about we lost to North Carolina in 2010. Well, we lose to them again, this time in much more heartbreaking fashion, 27 to 28. Dustin, what do you remember about this game? Uh, I remember Grayson Lambert, you know, the um, the strong-armed, armed, handsome quarterback, 20 for 40, 261 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, I just think that this game was just frustrating. You know, we go up uh, 24 to 21 at halftime, and we only score three points after that. North Carolina scores a touchdown um, at the very end of the game with four minutes left. It's just, you know, this UVA team, there was so, for so long, this UVA team had no offense, basically. And, you know, our offense was just bad. That's that's what I remember from this game. It's just frustration. This is when the frustration with the with the London era comes into play. Yeah, because if you remember, this was actually a really really talented team, mm-hmm. and this team went five and seven, just a couple of heartbreaking losses. And this this game is actually filled with irony. So Virginia was up twenty seven to twenty one with four minutes left, and uh, North Carolina gets the ball back. Grayson Lambert throws an interception. UNC gets the ball at the UVA 38. So they need a touchdown to take the lead. So they move the ball to the Virginia five or to the Virginia six yard line, second and five. Um, their quarterback Williams was sacked by Eli Harold for a 10 yard loss. So who's their backup quarterback at the time? Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. So Mitch Trubisky comes in third and 15. They need to score a touchdown to take the lead. And what does he do? He completes a 16-yard touchdown pass to future UVA receiver TJ Thorpe. TJ Thorpe transferred to UVA after this season. So Trubisky's one pass in that game, he was one for one for 16 yards and a touchdown. And that was the difference in the game. Um, Virginia gets the ball back, but couldn't make anything happen. Man. So I this was peak frustration game at UVA. UVA has control of the game, has control of the ball, you know, throws the interception. Oh, well, the defense made a play backup quarterback in. Oh, backup quarterback throws a touchdown. Also the number two uh, draft pick a couple years later. But yeah, this game was so frustrating. That's crazy. I mean, I that's an insane story on so many levels. Just knowing that Trubitsky, um, knowing kind of how he's looked now as kind of an overrated prospect, and then just seeing uh, Thorpe catch that pass, um, it's just a annoying and frustrating story <laughs> probably to go along with an annoying and frustrating year that that was. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. And Virginia, like I said, finished the season five and seven, so many frustrating games um, capped off by that night game at Virginia tech. Mm-hmm. Um, UNC was four and four after this game. So it came into the game three and four. Um, so it was a winnable game for UVA, but uh yeah, super. I remember this game too as a student. This was when I was like, man, like, why can't we be good at football? Yeah, I, I just, I just feel like this is where my patience was thinned with uh, London. Was this season, you know, especially towards the end of the season with you know just some debacles on with timeouts and not being able to beat a a, a really bad Virginia Tech team. I just think that it was that was it for a lot of people. Yeah, it was it was a tough game. The good news, at least, is that it gets a little better in 2015. So this was Mike London's last year. Virginia loses to BYU in really ugly fashion that season. And since that game, Mike London was just kind of a dead man walking. You know, everyone knew Virginia was going to move on from Mike London after the season. But the homecoming game was actually pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. 44-38, three overtimes over Syracuse. Uh, I was actually in the press box covering this game. So, Dustin, you probably have more fun memories of this game than I do. Yeah, this was a great game. There was no one at this game. 
39,000 was the attendance, started at 3.30 on homecomings weekend. And both these teams, Syracuse and Virginia, start off slow, both scoring zero points in the first quarter, but then an explosion of points in the second quarter. At halftime, it's 21-14. to The game is tied in the last minute by uh, a field goal from UVA from uh, Fry, a 25-yard field goal to tie the game. 24-24. The game goes to overtime. There are there's a touchdown from Syracuse quarterback, and then there's a 36-yard pass from Matt Johns to Kanan Severin to tie the game again. Um, Smoke Mizell has a 13-yard run after that, but then Syracuse ties it again, and then UVA finally wins in um, triple overtime against Syracuse, stopping them uh, on their drive. And then yeah, I mean, it was just a crazy back and forth game, at least as far as ACC bottom dwellers go. Mm-hmm. So UVA goes on. They were two and four after this game. They finished the season four and eight. Mike London is fired after the season. Uh, Syracuse was three and two coming to this game. They leave this game three and three. Yeah, Eric Dungy was their quarterback. I remember Dungy. Um, this was a big game for um, Smoke Mizell as well. He had two touchdowns. Um, 58 yards rushing, 69 yards receiving. I remember Smoke actually had a fumble that I think was returned for a touchdown or returned for close to a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember the story after the game was Smoke kind of making plays in overtime to bring the team back. But yeah, this was the Matt Johns led year. Just a, another really weird year of UVA football. Everyone knew Mike London was done after the season. Um, but yeah, this was like our best highlight of the year. <laughs> Yeah, this was for sure a highlight, and a lot of names on this team. Albert Reed comes back, and we mentioned him before. Uh, of course, Matt Johns leads this team. Alameda Zacchaeus is playing in this game. He had a he had thirty seven yards rushing, um, which is weird. Daniel Ham is in this game, and uh, of course, uh, Smoke Mizell, a fan favorite, is playing. Did really well in this game. So the triple overtime game, uh, probably I think. I can't remember a game recently where UVA had triple overtime like that. Like we've had several overtime games, but none like triple overtime. And I have to say, there's nothing quite like college football overtime. There's just something electric about it that gets me going, and uh, I love it. <laughs> it's best overtime in any sport. Yes. It's exciting. And yeah, like you said, this was Alameda Zacchaeus' true freshman season. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Kanan Severin. Kanan Severin was his last two years. I would love to see him under um, Bronco Mendenhall's staff and mm-hmm. Marcus Higgins right now. He would have been a stud. Um, but yeah, so UVA wins three overtimes. Uh, UVA wins two more games throughout the course of the season. And Mike London is eventually fired, which brings us to 2016. So 2016, again, I remember I remember a number of games by what uniforms we wore. I remember mm-hmm. this. I think this might have been like the first game we wore our orange uniforms um, mm-hmm. under Bronco. I remember thinking it was pretty cool. And this was like right when the UVA offense looked like it might do something. It was kind of hitting me in stride. But to no avail, Virginia loses against Pittsburgh uh, 31-45. This was our fourth year, Dustin. Uh, what do you remember about this game? This was a high-scoring game. This was a uh, Kurt Benkert-led team, just kind of a, a gunslinging team right here. Kurt Benkert had uh, passed for 44 times, 278 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but he had a 74-yard pass to Alameda Zacchaeus, uh, which is just nuts. So I think this was just a game. And, you know, that team, especially that year, I, I felt like if they didn't score – a 20 yard touchdown they weren't going to score at all we had severe limitations um on the inside game and with the rushing game we had uh only 86 yards art yards rushing in this game uh this was a pit team that had former nfl running back james connor leading the way with 90 yards and two touchdowns also um maurice for french is in this game he is a i think probably a freshman or a sophomore for Pitt in this game. Uh, Nathan Peterman, also future NFL quarterback, although his his stint <laughs> is not as, you know, 
well liked by a lot of people. He is in this game, throws for 137 yards, two touchdowns. Um, just a game, you know, and this is a season, kind of a lost season for UVA football. We go two and ten. Uh, just a rough, rough year for Broncos first year. Yeah, you know, this this actually had kind of like some Mike London feeling to it. Um, you know, Virginia is up 14-7, and then Quadri Henderson, who's a terrific return guy for Pitt, he returns a kickoff back for a touchdown. UVA is up 28-21. Uh, James Conner scores a touchdown with 40 seconds left in the second quarter. So then UVA gets the ball back. They're trying to move the ball down the field. Kurt Benkert throws an interception that's returned 59 yards for a touchdown with four seconds before halftime. So UVA went from up 28 to 21 to down by a touchdown at halftime in a matter of a minute. But yeah, you know, like you said, this was Broncos first year. By this point in the season, uh, UVA entered this game at two and three, Pitt entered this game at four and two. By this point in the season, we kind of knew UVA wasn't kind of what we thought they might be entering the year. Uh, became pretty clear this was a transition year for this coaching staff and this team. And this game was just kind of one of many examples in that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a really memorable game by any means, but for sure, I think a fun one until, you know, right before halftime because Virginia was doing good. And then, you know, there's a lot of points scored in this first half. There's uh 35, it's 35 to 28 at halftime. And then afterwards, you know, it's kind of boring. Virginia only scores three points after halftime. Uh, so just not a great game. And let's move on. I don't like talking <laughs> about this game. Well, another game we actually don't love talking about is the next one. Uh-huh. Um, UVA loses 10 to 41 against Boston College. So this, you know, kind of opposite from the game the year before, Virginia was on a roll. Virginia was five and one entering this game. And if you remember, so this becomes Virginia's first year that they eventually make a bowl game, mm-hmm. um, you know, the military bowl, which we don't need to talk about. But Virginia goes six and six in the regular season, uh, six and seven for the year. But UVA started out that season five and one. And I remember I was thrilled. I was like, let's go. We're going to I mean, we were on a roll. Um, you know, we had beat Boise State that year by a lot when Boise State was really good. Um, and I was like, let's go. We're just going to go six and one. We're going to get bowl eligibility. Well, UVA falls behind here, 24 and nothing. Um, a couple long passes to uh, two 76 yard touchdowns. UVA never recovers. I think I was out of the stadium before halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Dustin, what do you remember about this game? Nothing, nothing. I know that, um, <laughs> you know, for some reason, Lindell Stone comes in, throws two picks in this game as well uh i do you remember if kurt got hurt in this game was he not or, or was he benched him. because I think they just benched him because kurt ben kurt was 17 of 33 126 yards no touchdowns one interception sacked three times stone comes in get stoned bro uh two of nine 26 yards two picks just a rough <laughs> outing for uva quarterbacks and only 95 yards rushing it's just a terrible, terrible offensive outing for this team. Yeah, I remember this game. You know, we just came out so flat. Um, and, you know, that was just kind of the story of the season. Like, you know, Virginia starts 5-1. and one. They finish the season 1-5. and five. Um, That one win being Georgia Tech in the rain, um, which is just a really fun game. But, yeah, UVA, they had won. Um, they beat William and Mary, then they lost to Indiana, but then they had won four in a row. They beat UConn, Boise State, Duke, and UNC heading into this game. And this was, let's go, we're going bowling, we're back. And yeah, not quite. Um, so this was a rough game. This, this, There's not a lot to talk about with this game. No, no, not a lot to talk about. But the next year is our favorite year. We talked about Miami already, winning 16-13 to 13 over Miami in 2018. Rob, this was your first uh homecomings as an alumni yeah yeah no i mean it was a ton of fun man like you said this is night game um really low scoring you know one of the highlights of this game was actually bryce hall uh chasing down that miami running back uh was it was it dallas no it it must have been homer yeah chasing down travis homer on that long run yeah i mean this was just a defensive slugfest 
Uh, Bryce Perkins was 12 of 21 for 92 yards. Actually, I forgot he had three interceptions. Mm -hmm. I think they might have all been in the first half. But yeah, a lot of defense in this game. And, you know, ranked Miami team. This was a big win for UVA. And it was just a ton of fun to be there. Yeah, and this is also a game where Miami benches their quarterback and brings in a new quarterback. So they actually had two quarterbacks. Nkozi Perry played in this game and Malik Rozier played in this game. Three interceptions between them two. Um, although they passed for 190 yards instead of only just 92. So not a great offensive showing by either team, but for sure a really exciting game between these two uh, teams. Yeah, and Juan Thornhill actually had two of those interceptions. Um, So he had two interceptions for 86 yards, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I remember that one return. He like ran over the ref. You remember they had to like stop the game because the ref was yeah. shaken up after yeah. that <laughs> poor guy i think the thing that i take away from this game the most is the coming out party of brian delaney delaney is the mvp of this game with three field goals a 26 yarder a 46 yarder and a 32 yarder i think people were shocked when delaney hits that uh, 46 yard field goal to end this the first half because i don't think because our kicker before that was mejia and he would miss um, 26 yarders instead of, you know, hitting 46 yarders. So uh, this was the coming out party for Brian Delaney. Still a great kicker on this UVA team. And, you know, I think it really showed people that UVA was here to play. As we already said, this felt like a coming out party for this team. Yeah, so Virginia, of course, goes on to uh, be, we were 7-5 and five this year. A um, couple of close losses down the stretch. But the big thing with this year was the Belk Bowl win, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. Yes. So this was a fun year of UVA football. Yes, definitely. And then in 2019, the last uh, homecomings game, uh, a 33-28 to win over a pretty bad Georgia Tech team. Um, it w- and the game was honestly way closer than it should have been. Yeah, and you know, this was the only one of these games that we're talking about that was in November. The rest mm-hmm. of the games that we talked about were in October. Um, yeah, you're right, though. Georgia Tech came into this game. Uh, they were at 2-6. and six. Virginia comes in this game at 6-3. and three. And, yeah, Virginia struggled in this game, man. This wasn't, uh, you know, the easiest game in the world for UVA. Um, thankfully, we came out with a win. Uh, we were, the score is a bit closer than it actually was in the second half. UVA was up 33-21. Um, Georgia Tech scores a touchdown with 5.30 left, but Virginia is able to milk out the win. But yeah, this was a cold game. It was a noon game, but you know, this was part of probably the favorite UVA season of my lifetime, at least. So we at least got to get a homecoming win out of this one. For sure. Bryce Perkins uh, throws for 258 yards, one touchdown, also runs for 106 yards and one touchdown. Bryce Perkins really was the offense for this team in this game as well as the offense for the team for the season. Uh, Terrell Jana has 108 yards receiving as well. So a really good um, game from those guys. Yeah, defense didn't really step up, but once again, we did enough to etch it out. And of course, uh, the there is not really a homecoming game this year, but Rob, what team are we playing closest to um, the homecoming? What would have been the homecoming game? Uh, this upcoming yeah season. so it's weird because this was you know we're playing with like two different schedules so this week in the original schedule we actually would have been playing at old dominion um so obviously that game isn't happening uh but we're playing at miami this week um on saturday night which i'm really excited for um you know hopefully miami looks pretty good maybe we can get a bit of revenge though from last year because that was a rough game last year in miami um, but yeah, you're right. You know, not not really a true homecoming game this year. Obviously, we're still in COVID. Um, so we're dealing with that. Now, the one other game I do want to bring up from UVA, because, um, you know, I think it's important for people to know that at one point in time, UVA was ranked number one in football. Mm-hmm. You know, believe it or not, we had a couple weeks in 1990, where UVA was ranked number one. And our homecoming game that year was against Georgia Tech which was number 16 at the time. Virginia goes on to lose to Georgia Tech in that game. Georgia Tech actually goes on to share the national championship that year. They were crowned the national champions in the coaches poll. Well, Colorado was 
champions um, in the AP poll. But I just want to bring up this game because, believe it or not, it's as crazy to me as well. UVA was number one at the time. You know, this was a CBS, Jim Nance on the call. Like, this was a huge, huge game in college football. And, you know, if Virginia wins this game, maybe that season goes a little differently. Maybe they're more in the national title hunt. But anyway, I did want to bring that up because that is a big, uh, you know, game in UVA football history, even if it is a loss. Once again, not really a happy memory for many UVA fans uh, who were alive during that time. We we are not one of those fans, but um, <laughs> have definitely heard about this game and how disappointing it was to lose. And UVA finishes the season, uh, you know, they finished the, the season one and three after that um, to go eight and four on the year. It just kind of a disappointing end to the year, you know, um, the one other thing I will mention is that, and we forgot to mention this, but in 2012 during the homecoming game, uh, a UVA great Heath Miller has his Jersey retired during the game in 2012. So I guess that was fun, but of course losing Maryland, not fun. Rob, overall homecoming games, I think a lot of them are not great, you know, in recent memory, <laughs> to be honest, you know, we have four wins out of the last 10 years, uh, two of them in the past two years. So before that we were two and, uh, two and six. Yeah, that's the right math. Two and six yeah. <laughs> before that, uh, from 2010 to 2017, are the are the homecoming games indicative of the seasons that the UVA football team had? Is this a good yeah. way of looking at these UVA football teams? I actually think it's a terrific way of looking at how these teams fared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really the best season in that stretch before Bronco Mendenhall took over was 2011. That was one of our two years for the win uh, against Georgia Tech in these homecoming games. But yeah, I mean, a lot of losses. There weren't any really surprise outcomes in here. Um, you know, very, very indicative of how these seasons went, you know, for better or worse, uh, starting out two and six. But do you like the recent trend? Do you like that we picked up two wins the past two years? And, um, you know, certainly think we're in better hands uh, with Bronco Mendenhall as our coach now. So hopefully this trend will continue. And, you know, hopefully next year we'll get to have a real homecoming game, come yeah. back to grounds and have a good time and, you know, hopefully pick up another win. For sure. I, I will I will say I think the only game that is not kind of a good telling of how the season went was against BC where we just got shellacked uh, by BC in that game. But really that team was pretty pretty average, I would say. Um, I feel like they were better than their record at the end of 6-7. and seven, But I feel like the BC game was not – I think that's probably the only outlier in here. But besides that, I think that these games, you know, did a good job of of saying who that what that team was and and how good that team those teams actually were. Yeah, who would have thought? Set up perfectly for this little podcast. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? So we've talked about football for a little bit. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna mention some other sports that have done some great things during the homecoming week. And we're going to be focusing on men's soccer, women's soccer, field hockey, and volleyball because those are the main sports that participate during the homecoming week. Uh, so to start off, what we're going to do is we're just going to I'm going to read off some of the scores of some important games that we've won, and I'm also going to look at some notes that I noticed while doing the research for this. So back in 2010, both men's soccer and women's soccer won on homecoming weekend. Uh, men's soccer won two to one versus Tech in overtime. It's always good to beat Virginia Tech. Women's soccer also won two to one against Wake Forest. Moving on to 2011, women's soccer beat Clemson three to zero. And moving on, in 2013, men's soccer, women's soccer, and volleyball all had victories on homecoming weekend. Men's soccer won 2-0 versus Notre Dame. Women's soccer beat Florida State 1-0 in overtime. And volleyball beat Notre Dame three sets to one. In 2014, volleyball beat Notre Dame and NC State on homecoming weekend. They had back-to-back games three sets to two sets. Both of those games went to five sets overall. It's really interesting because with volleyball, they usually kind of schedule games, or what I notice is that they schedule games in clumps. And so there was only one time where this happened, but they had a clump of games on homecoming weekend. So it was nice to see that. In 2015, men's soccer beat Pitt 
three to one. In 2016, men's soccer beat Notre Dame one zero, and field hockey beat Syracuse one zero in overtime. This was one of the only times that field hockey actually played at home on homecoming week, which I found very strange. I I guess what I thought is that they would try and or or you know the athletic department would try and have all sports play a home game during at least that week but the the only case of field hockey playing was against uh, Syracuse in overtime beating them 1 to 0 in 2016 otherwise they would usually play away that week and 2017 men's soccer beats Pitt in double overtime 2 to 1 in 2018 this is a crushing victory for women's soccer, 7-0 over Pitt in 2018. 2019, which was actually the latest homecoming date uh, that we looked at, but it was on November 9th, and so we actually had a couple other sports to look at. So men's soccer beat Syracuse 2-1 to in the ACC tournament, which was very exciting. Uh, that was to win the ACC tournament. Women's soccer actually lost this game. This is an important game for women's soccer. They had been undefeated in 2019 up until this game. They lost 1-2 to UNC in double overtime in that game. UVA's goalie actually gets hurt. Uh, Some people say from some dirty UNC play. But in any case, women's soccer loses their first game on homecoming weekend that year. Volleyball beats Clemson. 3-0. 3-0. to This is actually the only game that I found in volleyball that was listed as alumni night. So they specifically made this night about alumni and probably about volleyball alumni. And then wrestling actually started matches. Wrestling usually starts in November. And so usually homecoming is in October, mid-October. So wrestling actually had a couple matches this week as well. They beat LIU 49-0, just a crushing victory, and then they actually lost Arizona State 12-27. But I thought it was really interesting. I wanted to include wrestling because usually, in general, wrestling wouldn't start when homecoming was around. And just some interesting notes that I found. Uh, In all the games that men's soccer lost during homecoming weekend, whether it was home or away, most of them were to Wake Forest. I know that Wake Forest has a great soccer program, men's soccer program, and so that's not really surprising, but I thought it was interesting that a lot of times Wake Forest would be scheduled during that week. Uh, another Another interesting thing is that women's soccer often plays games the day after the football game. So men's soccer would either usually play on the Saturday of the football game or the Friday before. And women's soccer would often play on the Sunday after the game. Now, I don't know if that's a thing that usually happens with women's soccer scheduling. I, I'm assuming that women's soccer in the ACC is often played on Sundays, like the big games. But uh, I can't I don't, I don't, can't confirm that. I don't know that for sure. But that was just an interesting thing. And then Field hockey, as I said earlier, only had one game close to the date. Usually, and I noticed this with field hockey too, they would often schedule like um, regional games. So like if field hockey would travel to North Carolina, they would probably play Duke and you know NC State in the same couple of days. But oftentimes field hockey was away during this time or they just didn't play a game. So that was really interesting to see and kind of weird because once again, I really thought from just my perspective that a lot of sports teams would have home games during homecoming weekend just as a thing to do for a lot of people. Um, So that was interesting for me to find out. And, you know, maybe in the future, athletics would consider making this week a priority for them to host games, um, bring back uh, alumni from the different teams and, you know, maybe make a different week out of it. Rob, is there anything else you want to add uh, to finish off these games? You know, not much. I know you you do our closing, so I just want to thank everyone, first-time listeners or, you know, long-time listeners. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. We're really happy to do this homecoming episode, um, kind of in conjunction with the Alumni Association, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys listen in yeah so make sure to check out the rest of the alumni associations um stuff for this week there's a lot of really fun things so if you need to you can 
uh, they sent out the email. I know for many of you guys, I'm sure that's how you heard about this podcast, which is cool. So make sure to check out the rest of the Alumni Association's online stuff for this week, uh, starting on, well, this is going to be released on Monday at noon. So hopefully you went on that virtual tour of the Shenandoah National Park already. You can tomorrow on Tuesday, October 20th, you can do a virtual tour of the Grand Canyon National Park that is at 11 a.m. There is a bingo night for young alumni at 8 p.m. And then on Wednesday, there's a virtual tour of Yellowstone at 7 p.m. On Wednesday, there's story time, which sounds fun. And then at 8 p.m., a classic rotunda sing with an, with a, a bunch of a cappella members, which is going to be great. Thursday, there's story time again. At 2 p.m., the, the Larry Sabato is going to talk about election day. At 4 p.m., there is a legacy admissions information session. At 6 p.m. on Thursday, there is quarantine kitchen, which sounds really fun. It sounds like they're going to make some really good stuff, um, probably good for a tailgate. And then there is an online trivia night at 8 p.m. on, thir- uh, on Thursday. On Friday, there is an alumni a- athletes roundtable. At 5 p.m. on Thursday, there is a virtual happy hour. At 8 p.m., there's another online bingo. And then Saturday, there is yoga on the lawn. So I think that's that's virtual, I would say. And then at 8 p.m. on Saturday is the UVA versus Miami football game. And that's going to happen on the ACC Network. Primetime ACC Network game. Got to love it, Rob. Got to love ACC Network. <laughs> Rob, Rob, which one are you looking forward to the most out of all of those things that the Alumni Association is doing? Man, well, I mean, I do love food, so maybe quarantine kitchen. Yeah, with jo- uh, with Josh Lighty and Malcolm Stewart. Yeah, Josh, uh, Josh and I actually go way back. He was in my hall first year, so um, yeah, it would be great to see that. And obviously, the rest of the event, alumni's doing a great job putting things on, um, you know, in kind of this still social distance world. So really happy to be with them, and um, yeah, be be sure to check out all the other great events they have going on. Yeah, so make sure to check out the Alumni Association's events and make sure to check us out as well. We have a Twitter account at Guys and Ties Pod. Check us out on Twitter. Follow us for more information and just, you know, fun tweets. Go check out, uh, we have an Instagram and a Snapchat as well at Guys and Ties Pod. We like to put some bonus content on there. Rob runs those. He has the fun bonus content. So make sure to check that out. And go ahead. And if you like what you hear, you want to listen more. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify or iTunes if you like what you hear. And hopefully we will see you guys next week. We generally release episodes about once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending on how bad we lose in football (laughs) or if we win. You know, we're really excited about it. But go ahead and check us out. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking in. And as always, go lose.